Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Abdel-Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. Hey, everybody. It is Devin Kadiyama. What I love about working on the Bay is that Erica, Allen, and I, as a team, get to choose what stories get produced. And often we either reach out to reporters or reporters come and pitch us stories. But sometimes we produce episodes about something we see on Twitter or something that we hear in conversation. That's how this next episode began. Here's Erica Cruz Guevara. I was sitting in the Bay office a couple weeks ago when our managing editor of news and Bay founder, Vinnie Tong, came in and handed me this zine. It had this plain cover, and in big red text, it said, Yes, Asians go to jail too. And I was here for it. I want people to resist the model minority narrative and to complicate everyone's ideas on what being Asian American mean or can be. It's hard to know how many Asian Americans are locked up in prison because they're often categorized as other. And that means their experiences and the experiences of their families are often overshadowed by the model minority stereotype. Today, we talk with an East Bay zine maker whose father was incarcerated about how that experience clashed with his identity as an Asian American. I'm Erica Cruz Guevara. Welcome to the Bay. I'm Sasha Coca, host of the California Report magazine. Every week, we bring you stories about what connects us in the giant, diverse Golden State. Because what happens in California changes the world. I love this place. We were once seen as, like, the place to be California. The land of milk and honey. That's where you go to Sunshine State. But we just have challenges right now. KQED's California Report magazine. New episodes drop every Friday, wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, it's Avery Truffleman, host of Articles of Interest. And I've got to say, I've been a fan of KQED ever since I was a little kid and I would come out to San Francisco to visit my grandma. It was just what we'd always turn on every time we got in the car, every time we were making dinner and turning on the radio, it was always KQED. And then over the years, I've become a massive fan of KQED podcasts because this is local reporting at its best. These are answers to questions you've always wanted to know, interviews with exciting, unusual voices, necessary journalism, all told with love and care and artistry. And did you know that a majority of KQED's funding actually comes from members? It's just people like you and me supporting the programs they love while also getting access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. If you want to sign up and be a part of this amazing community, visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to become a member today. That's podcasts with an S. Thank you for listening, and thank you for your support.
I remember it was in the morning. I was in my own room, sort of waking up to the sound of pounding on the front door. Jason Mai was 12 when police entered his family's East Bay home and arrested his father for drug trafficking and money laundering. People like shouting or moving around, not sure what was going on. I got out of bed just to check it out. No one really knocks on our door or like no one really shows up. Like we don't really have visitors or guests. So this is something that was pretty abnormal. I kind of peeked out and kind of saw my parents also feeling and looking the same way. They were also like really confused, like who's at our door early in the morning. I just remember um, a lot of police officers with rifles just sort of surrounding our home and um, feeling confused as to why there were so many people with so many guns around us. Like we are not really a threat at least to my knowledge, and so that really like was a jarring experience totally. to see that um, confronted uh, in my, with my family. I went to school that day, actually. Um, I was just taking to school, um, and it was just like the entire day of like wondering what will happen next and who will pick me up and like not really sure what was going on. Um, but eventually I ended up with my grandma and aunt, so... I was very fortunate to have family um, around to take me in then. Jason remembers going to visit his dad, first at the Glen Dyer Detention Facility in Oakland next to the I-880 highway. His dad was transferred to the Santa Rita Jail in Dublin before serving majority of his eight-year sentence at the federal prison in Lompoc, four hours away from their home in the Bay Area. It was a confusing and scary experience that he spent years trying to process. And this year, he made a zine about it. Obviously, the motivation behind why you wrote this and why you put this together was deeply personal to you. Can you tell me about the process of you sort of even getting to a point where you wanted to make a zine about this and where you sort of wanted to explore this topic of Asians in jail in this very deep way? It's an experience that I've kind of um, internalized and sort of just just had inside of me growing up that I've never really thought to understand or process. And um, recently I've wanted to do that work of understanding what happened to me and sort of um, understanding my childhood and trying to unpack all of that trauma. The tipping point was when I realized how the trauma of this experience manifested in my day-to-day life with um, specifically like the relationships that I had with my friends Um, the people around me and my partner. And so I just sort of realized how, um, yeah, a lot of the coping mechanisms that I learned, um, you know, growing up with an incarcerated father, um, it's sort of become not problems, but like issues sort of um, in how I relate to other people now. And I just wanted to work through that so I can be there better for like my friends and my partner and um, I guess for myself too. There were no stories out there for children like me, and so I really wanted to um, make this zine as a resource for others who might be feeling the same ways 
that I did. When your dad was incarcerated, like what was happening in your life? And then how did you sort of come to realize what actually happened to mm-hmm. your dad? Yeah, I think when it first happened, I had a lot of questions like what happened to him? Why was he being taken away? What did he do wrong? Um, is he a bad person? Hmm. Um, am I a bad person? Am I complicit in whatever he was doing? Not really sure um, just like where he went. He was just sort of taken. Um, but I didn't know something was wrong just because, you know, police officers were there and handcuffs were there and I didn't get to see my father for a really long time and my mom as well. And so um, for the longest time, like throughout middle school and high school, I really just tried to um, ignore or push away um, that part of my life and just try to continue on as normal as possible as if like nothing had happened, like a dream or something, you know. Jason says it was a privilege to be able to continue on with life, coming from a financially secure family. It protected him from a lot of the challenges other children of incarcerated parents face when they lose a source of income. And he says he's used that privilege as a rationale to pretend like everything was fine, to ignore the ways he was hurt by the experience. Is there a part in the zine that you particularly love or that you want to read? Can I I'm just gonna read it? Yeah, please. Yeah. I, yeah. Please do. Words or not. <laughs> now that he's back in our lives, we continue to live as if those eight years simply never happened. If my dad can go through what he did and come out seeming fine, then who am I to complain about my life? It's hard not to compare my father's experience to mine, even if he had it worse, but what I went through hurts too. The trauma he endured shouldn't invalidate mine. Sometimes I think our experience wasn't as awful as I thought. The same doubt tells me the more that I endure, the more I can take. It's harder not to internalize the survival of trauma as a source of strength, as a reason to forget the suffering. But just because you've survived something doesn't mean you've come out whole in the end. Mm -hmm. I think, yeah, that part is really important to me. Um just because that was kind of like the realization that finally clicked in my head and allowed me to do this project to process all of my, um, yeah, my, my experiences and feelings and to be able to write it out and share it with the world. What was that process like for you of making this zine? Mm. Um, like the actual making of it? Yeah, like, I mean, how long did it even take you? Were you, like, starting and then stopping and then you know, had to go in a run, like, in the middle of everything? No, it was a long-term project for mm-hmm. sure. Um, I started in May. The first thing I did was actually go to my library and look for books, like, look for terms like Asian American incarceration, just look for things I can read and to... Um, did you find anything? On that? I didn't find anything but one thing, which was kind of the thing that opened doors for me and connected me to other resources. Mm. But it was um, this anthology called Other um, by Eddie Zhang, and it's a compilation of writing, letters, art, um, just like anything created by API prisoners um, reflecting on their own experiences 
And that really, like, that was also a turning point in the creating of the zine, just because I was so inspired by how honest and reflective and brave these people were who were on the inside, but did the work of writing and processing their experiences, what they went through, um, the incarceration, how incarceration affected their families. And that definitely inspired me to continue onward with my project. Yeah, and kind of related to that, this idea of like, not finding resources specifically for children of incarcerated parents who are Asian American. I guess I'm kind of curious, what other ways did incarceration and being Asian kind of intersect for you in your life? I think that for me um, manifested most in like shame and stigma. And not talking about it. Right, and not talking about it and like actively ignoring it and just having to keep this as a secret within my family and other people. Um, I think it can be very isolating, not even just for myself, but for my family as well who also like learn to keep quiet about it. If I ever got a phone call from a relative in China, you know, like my aunt and grandma would instruct me and remind me to just, you know, uh, not talk about it, not mention it, just, you know, keep it to herself just because talking about it would, of course, you know, invite shame to the family. And that's not something that we want. And I think there is a word in particular that you write about it's a chinese phrase mafan and it roughly translates to to inconvenience or to burden and so um it's definitely something that i struggle with um but the idea is that yeah you don't want to share the secret because it will burden those around you so to protect them or to maybe not invite shame into your own family, just it's better off to just keep it to yourself and to deal with it internally. Yeah. There's a, a similar word in Tagalog because I'm Filipino um, and it's hiyat. Uh. And it's like the same exact thing. It's really interesting how Asian cultures have that. It's and complicated because it's tied to love and how we show care as well. And so... Mm-hmm. It's just really confusing when you mm-hmm. have to self-silence or self-sacrifice for, you know, the well-being of others, for your family, for those in your community. It's like something that you do. And it's also something you have to receive as well as a, as a form of love from either your parents or your family. And there are like consequences and like totally implications of that as well so it's it's really confusing honestly i don't know yeah it is super confusing and totally like what makes being asian so (laughs) confusing yeah (laughs) especially asian american like it's intersections with that too where you have you grow up in a household that has that. Right. But then you also go to school where there's this. Right. You know? And then when they, those two clash, it's like... <laughs> exactly. I hope people um, will learn and confront how incarceration is affecting our communities. Um, I want to shine a light on incarceration, the prison industrial complex, and how they impact um, our communities. And I want people to 
learn about the struggles of incarcerated folks, but also the children of incarcerated loved ones, families of incarcerated loved ones. Um, I want people to resist the model minority narrative and to to yeah complicate everyone's ideas on what being Asian American mean or can be and I want to also destigmatize the shame around incarceration um, and so I want people to take that away as well just because you know um, as I've learned it's something that happens to a lot of people and so it should be something that we talk about more regularly. In the last few pages of his zine, Jason talks about these conversations he dreams of having with his dad, who's now out of prison and working at a restaurant in the Bay Area. Jason says those conversations haven't happened yet, and he doesn't know if they will. He says people want to believe that once people are released from prison, everything's going to be fine. But Jason says that makes it harder to define and negotiate what reunions with incarcerated loved ones can look like. Jason Mai is a designer and creative based in the East Bay. If you're interested in his zine, which I highly recommend, hit him up on Twitter. He's at ByJasonMai, that's M-A-I, and we're at The Bay KQED. Thank you so much for listening. I'm Erica Cruz-Guevara. We'll see you Wednesday. Hey, what's up? I'm Erica Cruz Guevara, the host of The Bay. Donations keep independent journalism alive and healthy. And you support outstanding journalism when you support KQED. So if you haven't yet, check out donate.kqed.org slash podcasts. That's donate.kqed.org slash podcasts with an S. 